we have a new citizen among us. Amparo, congratulations. <laughs> she was worried about the test. She could probably shame us all in American history, but, you know. <laughs> so anyway, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 18 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 22. But in verses 9 through 14 of the same chapter, we read of those who God considered an abomination to him. And that was any person involved in witchcraft, any person that is involved in the occult or in the practices of uh, demonic or Satan worship, and magic and casting of spells are not demon worship. They're really not. They're works of the flesh. But man, you're playing in Satan's backyard when you participate in those kind of things. Witchcraft, being an abomination, many times leads into worship of Satan. As Christians, we're to be blameless in that kind of a thing. In regards to the occult, in, in the black magic, in the witchcraft, we're never to have it named among us. And there's a real fascination with the paranormal in today's world. We have movies, we have books, we have all these things that can intrigue a young person to, to look into them. So as parents, uh, be teaching your children about God and his ways. But now we're going to read about Moses the prophet. And he's making a prophetic claim about himself. So let's read Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. He you shall hear according to all your desires of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good, and I will rise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that he is the, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. Moses makes a, a great boast, a great claim here. And he says, God's going to rise up a prophet like me. Now that's, <laughs> that's pretty boastful. And it's been said of boasting or, you know, that 
It's not boasting if it comes to pass or if it's true. But a prophet, a prophet in the broad sense of the word is one who speaks forth for God. Therefore, you and I, in the broad sense of the term, are prophets. When we declare the truth of God, when we speak a word to a friend or neighbor, you know, we can be prophesying, but not necessarily telling of future events. So think with me here. We can be prophesying via email. We can be prophesying through text messages or any other electronic communications. We can actually be prophesying. Moses, as a man, as a leader of Israel, has been very faithful to declare God's law and God's statutes to the great multitude of Israel. Therefore, Moses is a prophet. And Moses also speaks prophetically, futuristic, when he declares, God will raise up a prophet like me. And Moses is speaking future there. Moses has been that great faithful leader and deliverer of Israel. And as we look upon Moses, he was also a prophet raised up, brought forth by God, from among the brethren Israelites, he came up with Israel out of Egypt. And we read where Pharaoh had ordered all the male children, all the Israelite infants were to be thrown into the Nile River right at the time of Moses' birth. Let me read you uh, Exodus 2, 1 and 3. I'm going to have a lot of these let me read you, so... If you want to take note of those, do so and look them up and read them. But to expedite things a little, I'll read them for you. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. This is, of course, speaking of Moses. Now, when mothers see their children, they don't usually look upon them with anything but love and, you know, that's my child, and great bonding goes on there. And what mother doesn't think her child is beautiful? But it says, when, mother, when Moses' mother saw he was beautiful, hey, show me a mother that doesn't think her child is beautiful, you know? However, Moses' mother, she builds a little ark out of the reeds and puts her baby in, in the ark, and she puts it by the riverbank, and who do you think picks this child out of the river? None other than the daughter of Pharaoh. And thus we have God preserving his future prophet through the acts of the king in the king's family. But Moses, he fit the criteria of being raised up from one of his brethren. 
Moses and Jesus have many parallels. Many parallels in their birth, uh, both born of a, a young Israelite. Of course, Jesus born of Mary. In Christ, he's born of a woman raised up from among his brethren. Jesus also escaped death when Herod ordered that all the uh, male babies two years and younger be killed, be slaughtered, because he didn't want someone coming along and taking away his kingdom. But the Pentateuch, which Moses wrote, it proclaims God's word to Israel. Moses, the prophet of God, raised up by God, declaring God's word. And then we have Jesus, the Messiah, the true son of God, raised up among his people, among his generation. When Jesus was an adult in his ministry, he asked his disciples a very pertinent question. And he says, who do the people say that I am? Matthew 16, 13 through 16, one of those passages I'm going to read. When Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The disciples answered Jesus' question. And some say, Well, some of the people say you're John the Baptist. And others say you're Elijah. And Elijah was considered the premier prophet. Others say perhaps Jeremiah. Or you know, at the least, you're one of the prophets that Israel has had. And then Jesus, he puts the hammer to the nail and he says, But my disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter has revelation from God himself. And Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So his disciples understand who Jesus is. John the Baptist, who came on the scene, the bridge between the Old Testament and New Testament, John the Baptist is asked by the priests and the Levites. And let me read you that, a couple, three verses here. Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. And then he, they asked, Are you the prophet? And he said, No. John declares, I'm not the Christ. I'm not Messiah. I'm not Elijah. And then are you the prophet, the singular prophet whom Moses, back in Deuteronomy 18, has spoke of? And John says, no, you're wrong again. I am not that prophet, the singular prophet. 
And then John says, I'm going to tell you who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. These Pharisees, these Levites, these scribes know that a prophet is to come and that prophet is to be like Moses. The prophet like Moses, he is awaited for in Israel. They're looking for this prophet. And the religious leader and the people are looking for Messiah or this prophet. And however, we have Jesus that would deliver his people from their sins and give all mankind the opportunity of salvation. But to them, Jesus is not the prophet, the deliverer that they want or expect. Israel, at the time of Jesus, wants a deliverer like Moses. And their deliverer that they want will free them of the bondage and the chains that Rome has inflicted upon them. And that's the Messiah. That's the prophet that they're looking for. They fail to see that their biggest need is to be free from their sins. This is perhaps the biggest reason, in my opinion, that Jesus was not accepted as Messiah because he didn't cast off the chains of Roman rule for his people. The people wanted God to deliver them, deliver Israel by using a prophet, the prophet like Moses. Israel is not able to recognize their biggest need. And the biggest need of any individual is to be free from their sins. That's true then. That's true today. That's true for you and I. But there's no doubting. Jesus is the prophet that Moses has prophesied about. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy 18. Moses reminds the people of the great fear of hearing the voice of God by seeing the fire of God. In, in Exodus 20, 18 and 19, <clears throat> Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of trumpets, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. The people heard the thunderings. They heard the blare of trumpets. The people saw the lightning and all the flashes. And they saw an entire mountain as if it's on fire, it's smoking. And their reaction is, they're, they're afraid, they're trembling, and they stand way back from the mountain of God. And they tell Moses, you speak to us, Moses, because if God speaks to us, we're afraid we're going to die and be consumed by him. Nothing can make us feel any smaller or more insignificant than to be caught in a severe storm with no shelter, 
You ever been caught in a storm with no shelter? You ever been at the foot of a mountain that's about to erupt because of a volcano? I have a picture in the back. This picture hangs in my office, and I have brought it out to share with you people. <laughs> and it's a picture of Mount St. Helens taken from Yakima, Washington, after it erupted, this picture was taken by Lori's aunt as the ash and cinders and smoke come towards them. I imagine that was very frightening. And it was very frightening for the people of Israel to be there at the Mount of God and it's belching all this fire and smoke and you thunder and lightning. And they have a great fear, the people do, of God's voice consuming them, just the voice of God consuming them. And the Lord tells Moses, what the people have spoken, it's good. They have a healthy fear of me, and it's an afraid fear. It's not just an awesome, they are afraid for their lives fear. And in verse 18, God continues his dialogue with Moses. And he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you. And he, capital H on he, meaning God, shall speak to them all I command him. Jesus declared in John 12, 50, I only speak what I hear the Father tell me. And this claim is repeated in the other gospels several times about he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only speaks what he hears the Father saying. And now God gives a warning not only to Israel, but to all of mankind. Whoever will not hear my words, words of God, words spoken by Jesus, I will require it of him. All of the world is without excuse before God. God himself placed a responsibility on the hearers of his word upon hearing his commands and laws. I was speaking with a non-believer uh, during this past week, and uh, we were talking about the clerk up in Kentucky, Kim Davis. And this person's view, they're a non-believer, you can't expect it. They felt that she should obey the laws of the land. And she should do what the federal laws command, and that's give a marriage license to same-sex marriages. My stance were, there's man's laws, and there's God's laws. And I said, I happen to agree with Kim Davis for the stand she took, a stand she has taken as a Christian. And I said, the laws of man, they change. But God's laws, God's requirement, they remain, they are constant. The beauty of our Lord is he never changes. Right now, he's the same as he's always been. And so we can base our life and hope upon a, 
um, upon a God who does not fluctuate. He doesn't change. He doesn't go with the whims of society. Our nation's marriage laws have changed. Our federal laws have changed. And now they allow same-sex marriages. But God has not changed his laws where same-sex marriage is forbidden. So who are you going to go with? There's one example, and this is a prime example, of every person they have to decide, who do I obey? Who do I listen to? Whose words are important to me? Man's words or God's words? And God speaking in verse 19, he says, If you mankind do not hear words spoken in my name, he said, I'm going to require it of you. That's God speaking. He says, I'm going to require it of you. Jesus in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. We're either condemned or justified by the words we speak and by the words we hear. That's a sober warning by God himself to us. Be careful. Be very careful of God's words. He meant them when he said them, and he means them today. Our response to God's word is critical in God's judgment of us. God requires believing and accepting his word. So that means we are not free to pick and choose what we consider God's word. There's a group called the Jesus group or something, and every year they meet and decide which words of Scripture are true and which words are maybe not true. Time out. <laughs> You're putting yourself in a very dangerous position. But our response is to be believing. Jesus said it to Thomas. He says it to you and I. Be believing. <clears throat> we hear unbelievers proclaim things like, You've heard them, I hear. I can't believe in a God who would allow a child to suffer and die. You ever heard that one? A grieving parent could say something like that. Or, I can't believe that God allows war and hunger. We've heard those probably. Oprah Winfrey can't believe in a God who is jealous for our love and commitment to him. She said that pushed her over their edge. She can't believe in the Christian God because of that. Man's calamities came in the Garden of Eden. God's curse on man for sinning. Adam and Eve chose sin and to disobey God's word and commands and therefore the curse upon mankind. As God's people, 
were to proclaim the truth of God to a world that's lost, and it's that simple. What a friend or a, an acquaintance do with God's word, that's required of them. But the responsibility that you and I have as prophets is to proclaim God's word. We don't have a choice in that. We really don't. And we're to present our Lord and Savior in the most loving and honest way we can to a non-believer. That's our responsibility. Why? Because their eternity is on the line. That's what's that's the severity of it. Eternity. God says, I'm going to require it of them. And he says, I require obedience to my word from all of mankind. And the ultimate judgment of God upon those who do not believe is eternal separation from him. That's the judgment. Eternal separation. But to those who hear and believe, eternal life. That's what God requires. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, let us be faithful to speak forth the truth of yourself to this world all around us. Don't let us be timid. Don't let us be shy. Let us be loving. But, Lord, let us be about truth, your truth, to this world that's searching for truth in so many ways, Lord. And they're trying to figure out what is truth. Let us be faithful to proclaim your word to them. And then that's between them and you. But let us be that good messenger, that good prophet, Lord, in speaking forth your word. Help us, Lord. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be true to you. Uh, and Lord, let us be led by you to proclaim the truth of you. We ask for this. We pray for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.